Welcome to an inspiring message from Pastor John Cameron, lead pastor of Arise Church in New Zealand. We know this message will encourage, inspire, and empower you. When I was 17 years old, I found myself in a 1938 Chev truck at 1 a.m. in the morning, and we went into a brick retaining wall at over 100 kilometers an hour. How how did I end up in that car? That's the question that we've got to understand. I was raised in a great family, had awesome parents, wonderful brothers and and, uh, an awesome sister. Uh, Really blessed to be in a family that taught me so much about God. But when I started high school, I went through one of the toughest seasons of my entire life. Didn't really fit in, found it really difficult. And by the time I started my second year of high school, I had made a decision. I am gonna be popular and accepted. My Christian values, I walked away from them. The decisions I made in my life, I began to make new ones. Church and my church friends were quickly left aside. And I stayed in that space, began to live my life really with that circle of friends and with that approach to life. And that is how at the age of 17, I found myself at one o'clock in the morning with a driver who was drunk in the passenger seat of a 1938 Chev truck with a 350 V8 motor driving through Onihanga on our way back from the drag races and we hit a retaining wall at 100 kilometers an hour without braking. Both of my legs were severely cut from the glass of the car that fell out and landed on my legs. I had a big bump on the back of my head from where I landed from the cab of the car as I fell out and hit the ground because the doors were forced open by the impact. But my head that had been the one that had put a dent in the roof of that car and made the windscreen fall out was somehow miraculously unscathed. It made me think about my life. It made me think a lot about where my life was going. Because if I'm honest with you guys, the goals I'd had for my life, what I wanted to achieve, I was achieving it. I was popular, I had friends, I was living the party dream. But the truth was, what made me wake up that moment was I began to realize that what I was building my life upon was so very, very fragile. My life had no secure foundations. In fact, I was in great danger. I began to realize that there must be something more to this life. I began to ask new questions, questions I hadn't been asking of myself before that moment. I began to ask, where is my life going? What am I building my life on? I started to ask myself for the first time in my life, is there a real God out there? And of real great importance to me was, is my life secure or could everything about my life be quickly stripped away? I began to realize that I was really blessed. I mean, I'd come out of that, I believe, now looking backward, miraculously protected. But it could have gone another way. Just, just last year, I was on a plane to Christchurch early on a Sunday morning, and sitting next to me on the plane was a mother going to see her daughter, 17 years, sorry, 19 years old, who'd been taken to a hospital in Christchurch after a severe car accident, and the hospital is actually the Christchurch spinal unit. She said, my daughter's so beautiful. And I started to realize at this moment of my life, and I thought about it again on that plane last year, that so often we can be thinking about our lives, but what we're aiming for, what we're going after, what we're really pursuing as the central priorities of our lives, they have no secure foundation at all. 
And I started to ask myself some questions. And I think of all of us, it is really important that no matter what our stage of life is tonight, whether you are 14 or 80, that there are moments where we sit back and we ask, what am I building my life on? Because the truth is, team, what looks impressive today can be gone tomorrow. And what looks like it's so full of promise can come crashing down. And what the truth is, what for some people seems like it is so amazing can come unstuck in just a moment. We've all met people whose marriages look like they were awesome one day and then they come tumbling down. People whose underlying weaknesses can destroy what looks like on the outside it is an incredible life. And friends, when we're thinking about our lives, we need to be very careful because we can look at the outside, we can look at the substance, we can look at the people around us, we could be looking at the number of our likes on some sort of social media platform. But what really makes the difference in the quality of our lives is what we are building our lives on. The foundations of our lives, that's what's gonna decide our lives. Where we're gonna end up in 10 years or 20 years and whether we look back with regret or look back at our lives with a sense of deep satisfaction is going to come back to what we build our lives on. Let's check out what Jesus said about it. Matthew chapter seven, verse 24. Jesus said, anyone who listens to my teaching and follows it is wise. Like a person who builds a house on solid rock. He built it on rock. Because though the rain comes in torrents and the floodwaters rise and the winds beat against that house, it won't collapse because it's built on bedrock. But anyone who hears my teaching and doesn't obey it is foolish, like a person who builds a house on sand. When the rains and floods come and the winds beat against that house, it will collapse with a mighty crash. Jesus is saying, listen, Everybody's gonna build their life. Everybody's gonna build their house, that's your life. But at the end of the day, whether your life in the long term is gonna be awesome or awful, whether it all comes crashing down or whether it's a life that is gonna endure, it's going to come back to what you build your life on. Foundations, foundations. Nobody has foundation parties. Nobody comes around to see holes in the ground or a slab of concrete. But at the end of the day, that is gonna decide more than any cosmetic, any mosaic, anything that's grand or attractive. It's what you build your life on. Notice what Jesus says in this passage, team. He says, when the rains come, when the floodwaters rise, when the winds roar, he's not presenting difficulties, storms, tragic seasons, moments when you encounter winds of adversity, rains that will set you back and make you feel sad. He's not making these sound in any way like they are optional. He's saying it's not gonna be whether or not they come. He says when they come. But what's gonna make the difference whether you're just tucked up inside the house in the storm or whether everything comes crashing down. It's gonna come back to those foundations. And that's why tonight I wanna talk to you about the foundations of our lives. Because guys, it's not sexy, but it is incredibly important that we have the right foundations for our lives. There are four of them. I wanna give you four foundations. I believe these are all central to our Bible. Here they are. Number one, the four foundations for your life are the God that you worship, 
the people closest to you, the understanding we have of ourselves, and the priorities we make for our lives. The God that we worship, the people who are closest to us, the understanding we have of who we are, our lives, and the priorities we make for our lives. Of first importance, the first foundational element, I'm gonna go through so much to try and keep up tonight, all right? This is more like a get it out night. But the, the, the first and greatest foundational stone of our lives is the God that we worship. What's gonna make the greatest difference to my life and yours is gonna come back to the God that we worship. It took a bang to my head that could have ended in death for me to realize that where God was in my life is the most important thing in my life. This life is eternal. And at the end of the day, we're gonna experience good days and bad days. And maybe you come from a great background, maybe you come from a horrible one. But at the end of the day, what unites us all is that there is a real God and an eternal soul on the inside of us. And where we stand in our relationship with God is the most defining foundational aspect of our lives. Jesus is the good teacher, right? He said, he said no one, I'm gonna show you how good I am. I'm gonna show you how much I love you by laying down your life for me. And Jesus said, guys, if you don't obey me, you are building your life on sand. He loves us, He cares about us. He is the only pure source of love in all the world. But He said, He said, if you don't hear me and obey me, then you're building your life on sand. Why? Because what you worship is what matters most to you. What you worship is what you seek to emulate. What you wanna be like. What you worship, team, is what guides your decisions what decides your actions, what you seek after more than anything, what you hold in the highest esteem, that is what you worship. And being a God worshiper is about a lot more than just saying, yeah, I'm a Christian, you know? Yeah, I'm a Christian. I go to church, I'm a Christian. Jesus said it like this, he made it so challenging. In Matthew 17, 21, he said, not everyone who calls out to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only those who do the will of my Father. He's saying, guys, it's not just about enough to have a Christian rhetoric. You need to be a real worshiper. You need to make sure that you get more than just religion and saying that you're a Christian. Jesus must be the God that we worship. He must be what matters most to us. He must be what we seek to emulate. Jesus must be what decides our actions and drives our values. Not whether it's popular or easy or lines up with the current societal speak. What matters to us of eternal consequence is that Jesus is the God that we worship. Amen. Guys. Being a God worshiper doesn't mean that every day will be easy, but I want you to know this for clarity, that there is only one truly unselfish being in all of the universe. Only one whose every action, motivation, interaction, and decision for us has nothing to do with personal benefit. And that is God, that is Jesus. He's the only one who loves you with an unselfish and pure love. 
and that God comes to us without airbrushed commandments. He doesn't dress it all up in nice speak. But the greatest foundation we can have for our lives is Jesus as our Lord and as our God. If you believe that in every location, give me a loud amen right now. The second thing that's going to be so important in the foundation of our lives is the people that are closest to us. I mean, God's got to be your number one thing, team, but the second one is the people that are closest to you. Why? Because the people closest to you determine the most about you. The people who are closest to you will decide so much about you. Proverbs 6 verse 27 asks a really good question. It's so obvious, but it says, can a man scoop a flame into his lap and not have his clothes catch on fire? <laughs> Don't you love that? And they're just like, uh, probably not. You know, like... Can a man take a fire and bring it into his lap and not have his clothes get burnt? Can you hang out with people who are going in a completely different direction and expect your life not to be impacted by the people you spend time with? Can you have friends that are acting destructively for their futures and detrimental to your values and slagging what you think is important and not think that that is gonna impact you? Friends, it would be foolish to think anything other than the people closest to you will decide so much about you. That's why Proverbs also says in th Proverbs 13, 20, don't, if you walk with the wise, you will become wise. But if you associate with fools, you'll get into trouble. In other words, the people closest to me are gonna decide so much about me. So that's why the second great foundation of our lives is the people that are closest to us. Do you not know the hardest thing about changing any habit in your life was gonna be? The people that you hang around with. If you wanna change anything about your life, the biggest gravitational pull, why does the guy get out of prison and end up back there? Because he goes back to the people that he knew. Why does the drug addict find it so hard to be free from their addiction, especially if it's not a physical chemical addiction, if it's just an emotional one? The answer is because they're in a circle of friends. And man, we're talking about the extremities here, but let's bring it all back. If you wanna be positive, you can't make the people closest to you negative people. If you wanna be on fire for God, you can't make the closest to people to you the ones that are walking the edges of sin and bagging out everything about God and church. You just can't do it. And at the end of the day, if we want a great life, the second foundational element is gonna come back to the people closest to us. They are gonna decide so much about us. When I became a follower of Jesus, I knew that this was gonna be big for me because I had a group of friends that even though our friendship was mutual and I really loved them, the gravitational pull of their activities was gonna take me so far away from my relationship with God. I became a Christian on a Sunday. I went to see those friends on a Monday and I did not see them again for 12 months. I knew that if I was gonna change my life, I needed new friends. The day I became a Christian, really, I had one friend. His name was Bevan Hirangi. My second friend was Gerard Backhouse-Smith. And those two boys became the basis of my friendship circle in the first few months of following Jesus. Would you rather have 50 friends who are pulling you in the wrong direction or one friend taking you in the right direction? You can change your life 
Friends, at the end of the day, we need to make sure that the people, listen, people who are 40 and 50 out there, you need the right people around you. Your life ain't over. God hasn't finished with you yet. Your journey's got a long way to go. Don't get a bunch of just, you know, naysaying, negative, critical lifestyle is circling around you. Make sure in every journey, every chapter of your life, the people closest to you are pulling you on in the future that God's got for you. Come on, this is of huge importance to us in our lives. Number three, we've got to keep moving. Our third one is the understanding that we have of ourselves. It's so important that one of the foundational things of our lives is that we work hard beneath the surface, hidden from what the world will ever see to make sure that we get the right understanding of who we are. I'm having a lot of really interesting conversations in my travels now with young preachers. And the reason why is because for this new generation of preachers that I'm so glad just to be able to get to talk to and to give hopefully a little bit of encouragement, a bit of advice to, they have more access to both the preaching and the ministry just the day-to-day life of preachers that are way further along in the journey than they are. And the challenge for these young men and women trying to do great things for God is that it has never been easier for comparison to kick in, and it has never been harder for people, therefore, to get a real understanding of who we are. Because guys, when we begin looking at what other people are doing, when we take our eyes off the journey that God's got us on and we begin to compare ourselves with everyone else around us, we are gonna fall into the trap of mirroring somebody else's gift, somebody else's journey, and we are gonna distract our lives from our own. Team, we need to compare less and we need to pray more. We need to start getting in touch with God because here is the great lesson of Simon Peter's life. It's easy. You're saying, John, I don't know who I am. Well, here it is in a nutshell. If you spend enough time telling God who He is, He'll start telling you who you are. You can't begin to pray and to reach out to God and start telling your God who He is without Him giving increasing clarity over time to reveal on the inside of each and every one of us who He has designed us to be. You won't find yourself on Instagram, Facebook, or Pinterest. You won't. You'll find yourself by getting in the presence of God. Let God be the one who shows you who you are. I've often been a fan and I just feel it echoing in my spirit at the moment. Matthew 5.13, for a new generation, we're literally in Matthew 5.13 from the Message Bible. Jesus just says, let me tell you why you are here. And I just feel like God's got a megaphone over our generation saying, I wanna tell you why you're here. Why? Because you were made on purpose for a purpose. You are not an accident. You're not a random nobody. You're not a project just of a bunch of chance. A God with a plan in mind made you with a purpose in mind. You're alive for a reason. You're full of heavenly brilliance. God has a plan for your life. And let me tell you, friend, there is only one you. The two greatest days in your life are the day that you were born and the day you figure out why. You were born for a reason. I want you to get this so deep in your heart, you never doubt it again. 
You have every reason for living. You have a cause for your life. You have a dream that God has in place inside of your heart. There are unique gifts and talents on the inside of you. And friend, if we can draw those gifts and talents out, man, the day you begin to discover why God made you, that's the day that dreams come alive. That's the day that burdens in our lives suddenly become light. And that's the day we become filled with holy wonder. Because friend, we need to understand that God has made us and that knowing why He has made us the way that He has is of central importance to us. Those gifts in you, those talents in you, have been put in there by God who says, if you can understand who I've made you to be, your life's gonna head in a much better direction. In fact, the Apostle Paul said this was a massive priority for him in his life, knowing the purpose for why he was here. This is what he wrote in Philippians 3.12. He said, not that I've already obtained all this or have already been made perfect, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. He said, a main priority of my life is getting in touch with why God put me on this planet. Our fourth foundational element for our lives is the priorities that we make for our lives. Of great importance to us and our life's foundations is to ask the question of our own lives. What is life all about? Why am I here? Why should we prioritize doing and being different things in this life? Who are we aiming to help? with the accomplishments of our lives. Because everybody here is gonna roll out of bed tomorrow and you're gonna begin to live your life in line with either intentional or unintentional priorities. And let's be honest, from the moment you got up this morning, you began a bombardment of a bunch of people out there seeking to give you priorities for your life. Marketing companies, that are now not just impacting the sphere of stated advertising, but giving free things to every person you emulate in every arena of your life to try and tell you, go after this, prioritize this, be like this. And if we're not careful, we're gonna end up with our lives being determined, not by scripture, but by our culture. And that's why Bible says in Romans 12 verse two, don't become so well adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. And guys, what we need about ourselves is we need to go on an intentional journey of saying, I've got to figure out what my priorities are. What is most important to me? And friends, when we begin to think about what's gonna be your priorities, what are you gonna go after? What are you gonna make? What am I gonna make as the central pursuit of my lives? I want you over everything you think about when you're forming those priorities to remember this. God did not make you to be a consumer. God made you to be a producer. You are not on this planet to get more so that when you have it, you have somehow ticked off your life's goals. You are on this planet to make the lives of other people better, to make this world a better place. Come on, you're not here to be a taker, you're here to be a giver. You are alive on this planet to make a difference in the world in which you live. 
Do you know when, when, when the Jewish people were put into Nazi concentration camps during World War II, they quickly uh, figured out how they could tell because they were put in these horrific conditions, malnourished, overworked, literally taken to the edge and then to the grave, the edge of their lives and to the grave. And as they were trying to survive in this, in this environment where the Jewish people have a culture that no matter what you have, you have to be a generous person. And they, they said, they said, they wrote about it. Many people have written in the records of what took place in those concentration camps that we could tell when someone was about to die. We could tell because they would stop sharing their food. Because no matter how little they were given in the Jewish, in those concentration camps, those Nazi concentration camps, they would take a little bit and they would give it to somebody else. And the moment that they turned inward, they knew it was the beginning of the end. I think we could say that of our lives. And I'm really positive we could say that of our culture. That the day we turn inward is the day, it's the beginning of the end. Because you and I are not here to be takers. God put it on this planet so that we can make this world a better place and leave it different to the way that we found it. And if you believe that in every location, I need a big amen. And guys, if we want a rock solid foundation for our lives, then we need to make our top priority making a difference in the lives of those that are around us. We need to make a decision that I am gonna live my life, not just for me and for what I get out of it, but to help somebody, to leave a better contribution. And let me just let you in on a real key secret. The best quality of life is found not when you get more, but when you begin to make a difference with the life that you have. Listen, more money won't make you more happy. There's no data to back that up. Having more fame won't make you more happy. But when your life is tangibly making a positive difference, even in one other person's life, all your joy levels lift, you begin to feel like you've got a purpose, you'll find hope and optimism. And if we can look back on our lives and not say, look at me and all the houses I have, but look at all the lives that have been changed because I helped somebody, because I didn't live for me, then that's a life worth living. Come on, if you believe it, give me a little amen out there today. We need to make sure that we are living our lives every day to make a difference in the lives of those that are around us. That's why Jesus said in Matthew 22, 37 to 40, He said basically everything in the law and the prophets, that's the Old Testament. He said everything in the Old Testament can be summarized by these two commandments. Love the Lord God, your God, with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as you love yourself. You want me to make that real simple just because He's already given it pithy, but because we are now gonna have it in Twitter size, you know, characters. He's just saying, love God and love people. You are in the will of God. When you get out of bed every morning and say, God, help me to love you more purely and help me love people wholeheartedly. And then when I get out of my bed and I begin to encounter people in my day with the thought that God put me in their world to make a difference, when I wander through life trying to make the world a better place, I am in the will of God. My joy levels are gonna rocket. I'm living my life for an eternal contribution and my life actually counts for something more than just I've got the latest pair of sneakers. Come on, I'm not against sneakers, but I'm just saying don't live your life for them. 
Four foundational elements to our lives, guys. We need to think about the God that we worship, the people who are closest to us, the understanding we have of ourselves and the priorities we make for our lives. This is really, really important. That you gotta understand, we, we, we don't do anything here at Arise without asking ourselves the question about what we're doing and saying, why are we doing that? That's why around here at Arise, we only have really four things that we value above all else. We have four things that we do as a church, and they are Sunday church services, we have life groups, we have Pathway, and we have the Arise team. And the reason why we have these four things is because through our Sunday services, this is where we worship our God. You know, has anybody else out there noticed about your time that what is going to be the worst thing for you is easiest to prioritize, and what is gonna be best for you is the hardest thing to prioritize? I mean, getting out of bed early to either pray or go to the gym, hard. Staying up late to watch one more episode of Netflix, easy. Eating healthy vegetables and lean meat consistently, hard. Getting a burger and fries, easy. What makes the most positive impact to me seems to be the hardest for me. Can I get a knowing witness out there? That is why if in any person's life, you gotta stop talking about burgers. <laughs> that is why in any person's life, if church is in any way a negotiable aspect of your calendar, you will stop attending. You'll go from every week to once every fortnight. Then you'll become one of those monthly Christians. Then one of those bi-monthly believers. Then kind of one of those non-believing but Christmas and Easter believers. And at the end of the day, guys, we need to make being in church on Sunday, every Sunday, a non-negotiable in our lives. And then we need to encourage everyone we know to do the same thing. Why? Because we need in our lives an intentional weekly moment of worship and wonder. Again, let's come back to it. The moment that you woke up, people started offering you worship and wonder to sell you a product. I mean, why is their, their Instagram photo so awesome? And why is the model always looking amazing? And why is the fashion, it's worship and wonder. And at the end of the day, we need to be intentional because even though as a church, we don't provide it every day of the every minute of the day in your Instagram feed and we can't control the magazines and we're not trying to control anybody anyway, but we need as believers in our lives, one moment, we need a regular place where we get beyond the messages of our culture, the impact of the world that is around us and we fix our gaze to worship and to encounter the one true living God. Come on, if you believe in him, give him about three seconds of praise in this place tonight. Oh. Life groups, where we intentionally invite other people into our lives. The people closest to me are going to decide the most about me. Say it out loud. The people closest to me are going to decide the most about me. Say it again. The people closest to me are going to decide the most about me. Say it again. The people closest to me are going to decide the most about me. And friends, if we're not intentional about who's closest to us, we could stuff this whole life up. Following Jesus is so much easier when you surround yourself with people who love Jesus too. 
You can have friends from anywhere. But of greatest importance to us is that the people that are closest to you have the same values as you. That's just smart for life. It's a foundation step for life. That's why every Christian needs a life group. Every Christian needs a group of 10. We talked about this last Sunday. That know you well and can help you to stay on the right pathway in your life. You need someone who, to whom you're not a rock star. Who's gonna tell you you're being an idiot? Who's gonna give you the advice you don't wanna hear? I don't have time for it, but let's, let's go on. The third thing that we do around here is we do pathway, where we discover God's purpose for our lives. As a culture, we're gonna ask each other all the time, what's your dream? But as a Christian, I need to be asking a different question to what's my dream. It's important, you gotta hear this. I need to start asking, what's my calling? Not what do I wanna do with my life, what does God want me to do with my life? And the reason why I adore pathway is because your calling is attached to your gifting. I can tell you what God's called me to do because I know what God has graced me in terms of gifts and talents with. And because I know my gifts, I can tell my calling. Your calling and your gifting are connected to each other. And listen, we can't get a lightning bolt out of heaven to tell every person that goes through pathway exactly what their calling is, but we can help every believer to understand what is unique about you. What God has wired you to do. Oh, when you understand you're more than just a personality profile, you are an endowed, entrusted creature of divine design put on this planet, uniquely put together by a God that has an intention in mind for your life. It opens you up to a whole new level of living. And that's why I wanna encourage everybody that's never been through Pathway to make sure that if you give us four hours of your life, we'll give you a calling for your life. Number four, the fourth thing that we do around here at Arise is that we have the Arise team through which we make a difference with the life that God has given to us. Every week around here at Arise, a bunch of people, in fact, nearly 2,800, I believe, serve in a myriad of different ways every single month to make a difference in the life of other people. Whether it's running life groups or leading children's programs or contributing creatively or feeding breakfast to children before school or whether it's taking church services to prisons or helping people find a car seat or a car park or a, or a seat in an auditorium or enabling lighting and sound and multimedia. Every week because of this army of people, people are discovering a personal relationship with Jesus. Their lives are coming alive. People are being free from the pain of their past and experiencing miraculous breakthrough and every day every week we get to say this world is better because I didn't just live for me I didn't just come for church for what I got out of it but I I didn't just sit on the boat but I got an oar and I began to row and because I'm playing a role the world is becoming a better place the local church is flourishing and lives are being eternally changed come on do you believe that tonight Guys, when you begin to make a difference in the lives of other people, that's when your life has meaning and significance. You are never too young and you are never too old to start making a difference in the lives of other people. I've gone over time, but can you stand your feet together tonight, church? Foundations. You're like, John, you just preach the church's activities. I, I promise you guys, I'm preaching to you today 
what you need to have as foundational elements of your life. I'm not talking about lengthy commitment. I'm not talking about huge things. I'm saying, get this right. Talk to some believer whose life, they're like, I wanna have a life like that. And they're gonna tell you that you need a God that you worship. You need the right people close to you. You need a deeper understanding of who God made you to be. And you better make sure that your life ain't just lived for a self-centered purpose. Let's make sure that as people, we get the right foundations. In every campus today, I'm just praying that we as a people just maybe just could go home. There's a teaching message on a Sunday night. I hope you liked it. But I pray that you'll go home and you just think and just ask, are the foundations of my life going to lead me to a point where whether the life is long or short, it's built on the right stuff. When I go through tough times, am I going to be filled with regret or am I going to be filled with joy? Can I finish with a story even though I've gone over time? Pro- probably no one will stop me because I'm sort of like the boss. So. <laughs> but um, when Jillian and I, when Jillian and I first bought our first home and Arise was about three years old and we discovered that the home was leaky and my mind went all kinds of dark and stupid places where I thought my whole world was gonna come tumbling down. I will never forget a moment in prayer when I realized that you could take the church, you could take every cent that I have, you could take my reputation, you could take a lot of things away from me, but you couldn't take every person that had found Jesus in that church. You couldn't, you couldn't take the people that I'd helped, couldn't take my marriage, couldn't take my kids. Living your life not for the material and the temporal, but for the divine and the eternal. It's gonna change the way you walk through some of the darkest nights of your life. You're gonna live with a feeling of hope that my life counts and I'm alive for a reason. And that is the real goal. Come on, do you believe it? Come on, give your God some praise together. If you would like to find out more about Arise Church and Pastor John Cameron, visit arisechurch.com or connect with us on Instagram at arisechurch and at johncameronnz.